Did you say butt veins bulging? Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Cold Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Designs. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. In this week's episode, we bring in Nick Toga of Design is Blank. Nick talks about graphic design and flicking off Mickey Mouse. Colton starts drinking with Slipknot. Jess has a revolution revelation. And Ross gets slab happy. All of that and more is coming right up on this episode of the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Now for episode 41, Speed. For today's guest, we're joined by Nick Toga of Design is Blank, a man for whom if opportunity knocks and he's not home, opportunity waits. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Welcome nice. to the show, Nick. All right. Thanks for having me. Dude, Nick, I, I'm I'm really excited to have you on. So Nick was actually the very first person I met at WorkbenchCon. Yeah? Right. Like right. I just got there. I didn't know anyone there. All I knew it, that there was this thing to go to and that uh, just to show up in this place. And then all of a sudden, like, there's like, let us loose in like that main area. Right. With, um, I guess, open bar, you have drink tickets, right? Yeah. Drink. And I was like, well, I, critical. yeah, they were critical. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll get in line. And, um, I caught myself wanting to be shy and I fought it and I turned around and talked to the first person I saw when I was in line and that was Nick. And, um, Guilty. yeah, we, uh, been friends ever since. So, well, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And and Nick, for those who don't know Design is Blank, can you give us a little elevator pitch as to how you came to be where you're at? Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a long story. I actually started this back in college, believe it or not, as an educational resource for people. Uh, my background's in graphic design. I tried to kind of corral a bunch of tips and things on how to navigate that career path. Okay. And slowly evolved it into woodworking and making after I bought a house, acquired all the tools and just fell deep down the rabbit hole of, you know, you know how that goes. Very much um, so. Yes. So now what I'm doing, yeah, I'm just building stuff and trying to share my journey with people, see what happens when you cross over from 3D printing to woodworking or screen printing and just playing around basically and trying to get my voice on social media. So How often do you yeah. cross types of mediums so like screen printing do you put that onto wood or do you 3d print pieces that'll end up going into um some other build like how does that all work yeah i think my ideation process is just looking for stuff that i personally haven't experienced before so if i need to make something that i haven't seen before you know it might might involve 3d printing and wood veneer or screen printing uh, recently on a project that turned into protest signs that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, just really whatever the technique is that's missing. If I have a basis of knowledge on something else and I just need one little new thing, I'll, I'm happy to buy the tools and explore that and just go for it. Okay. Very cool. All right. So how do you make your screens when you do the screen printing? Do you use the UV so, light stuff? Yeah, so I actually used to be a screen print as well. Uh, I did a lot of posters and did it all with the legit equipment, which was big light table, exposure unit, and all that stuff. But um, I actually came up with a 
I didn't come up with it. I saw someone use a Cricut vinyl uh, plotter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. essentially use that and stick it directly on a screen. So no exposure unit, no nothing. Pretty much use that as the as the stencil. Oh. And um, you can get away with a couple hundred prints doing that as long as you're not doing photorealistic stuff. So that's right. the only limitation. Yeah, that's Pixels, genius. Right. My wife has, yeah, a, yeah. has a Cricut and she does a lot of like smaller runs of t-shirts and stuff for people who don't want to order, you know, 50 as a minimum. And, uh, yeah, I never even thought of doing that. That's incredible. Yeah. I printed my own merch doing that. I don't have it on me, but, um, before maker camp, I was like, you know, I'm the guy who doesn't have any stickers and doesn't have any merch and just under branded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, the irony is that my background is in branding. So, uh, <laughs> kind of sad, but, uh, yeah, I, I ripped I off. Say, few- I don't think I do have a designer's blank sticker on my wall. Actually. No, you definitely don't because oh, they don't oh, exist. Yeah. I'll have so, to laser uh, my own or something. Yeah. So I go. took, I took, uh, I went to commercial art school when I was younger, like four, 15 and screen printing was like the first thing that we had to do. And I never knew about all that, like UV light and the emulsion and the actual screens. And they taught you how to make the screens there too, which was really cool. And, um, for our viewers that don't know what that is, I'll let you explain it. But I liked Calvin and Hobbes, you know, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I did, we were supposed to make a video cassette box. That's how, I mean, there were still VHS tapes around, right? And so they had a layout in the dimensions of a a VHS tape box, you know, sleeve. And and we were supposed to make up a movie and make a box. And then we screen printed it um, as like our project. And so it was a Calvin and Hobbes movie. And it was like the one with the snow goons and all this other stuff. And it was really neat. But he's like, he saw it. And he goes, this is the best looking box I've ever seen. It looks like a real movie, but you're never going to be able to weed that because you have to print it out on vinyl and then pick it all out, you know, and do like, there's a lot of different colors in it. And it was like little tiny itty bitty things. So we actually laser printed it on, on like clear acrylic stuff. And then he had the special stuff and then the light wouldn't shine through that. And then we put that over the silk screen and exposed it to the light it was pretty smart. Huh. Um, but yeah, and then people would leave the door open on the silk screen room all the time and like kill all the screens and everybody would he would get really <laughs> pissed off, like really like hot veins bulging. But I've always ever since did then I've say, always thought screen printing is so cool. Did you say butt veins bulging? I heard the same thing, but whatever. I assumed he wasn't just saying butt veins. <laughs> veins bulging. <laughs> there anyway, we go. So yeah, I, Mr. Red. I do have to say, uh, your name design is blank reminds me. My former sister-in-law had gone to the art Institute of Chicago for a modern arts degree. And I went to her senior showcase and it was a senior showcase night for everybody at the school. And so her family had come in and my whole family was there. We were all there to support. And there was every person or every student got a eight foot by 12 foot wall to be able to do whatever they wanted to showcase their art. And one kid literally took white paint on a white wall. He put up white stencils and it just said space is a hologram. And then he shined a light on it. And that was his final piece. And all I could think of was how do I get my money back? If I'm that kid's parent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny. You should say that. 
Yeah, there you go. I mean, (laughs) a lot of people get their job before their graduation, I think, and just either or or they don't take it seriously at all. But there were some people that definitely phoned it in. I went to a expensive art school uh, myself. And uh, yeah, I could tell you there's a few of those. And it's kind of it's kind of sad to uh, to do that at the end. But such is life. Yeah, I put a actually speaking of money, I part of my project, I, I kept track of every single expense for a private art degree for the entire time that I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I went to Kinko's and I laser printed and in the, the the hugest receipt you've ever seen, basically. And <laughs> like I, a, like a CVS I receipt, it, like yeah. a CVS receipt, except it was like 50 feet long. And I mounted oh. it to the ceiling, which was like a, is in a photo studio. So 30 foot ceilings. So it was this huge, long strip of thing. And it came down and the, at the end, it was some absurd number. And uh, ironically, that was my most, uh, my most effective project, I guess, in terms of <laughs> communication design, because what they do is they bring all the prospective students and parents in there. So you got these parents coming in going like, what the heck is what is this? And uh, terrifying them was uh, one of the great joys of my career. Well done. <laughs> I like well it. Done. Very good. Well, I, I went to a vocational school. It wasn't a very good one. And about halfway through, my friend had like a web design and like he did all, we did all kind of, and that's when the internet was, everybody started to get a website at that point. That's how long ago it was. And like Adobe, you could do Adobe Go Live. There was Go Live Cyber Studio. Like we were using like the Adobe stuff was like getting really big. Photoshop had always been big. And Image Ready, they used to have one just for JPEGs and GIFs and stuff. And we were learning more working on the side for him and just getting the books out because they made books on it and figuring it out on our own than we were at the school. And the school had really old computers and stuff like that. So I just left and I learned how to do it on my own. That's awesome. So Nick, right, out yeah. of uh, out of all the the mediums that you work with, what's your least favorite? Everybody is going to ask you your favorite. But what's your least favorite? What's the one that you're like, I yeah, absolutely hate question. working with this one? Uh, well, I would I would have said 3D printing if you could see this ancient 3D printer back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just got a new one. Okay. And it is night and day, so I guess that's not my my medium. Um, what, what, I think- what's your new one? What'd you get? I got the uh, Bamboo Labs A1. It's Would you of, recommend you know, it? Oh, yeah. It's just like, I don't want to tinker. I just want the damn thing to work. And yeah. uh, this thing, I raced them today, actually, just out of curiosity, because I know, yeah. obviously, the new one's going to win. But quality and fit and speed and all those factors, I mean, this thing got smoked by like three hours on a simple little oh, uh, Nikita, wow. or a Milwaukee battery clip holder. So... And and it, the battery doesn't even fit in the one that came off of this one, so can't say oh, enough no. <laughs> bad things about this. But uh, yeah, Bamboo Lab is you know it's just another it's completely different. What? Uh, nice. But I what guess program yeah. do you use? Just as a quick sidebar, I, I mm-hmm. we got my kids a 3D printer. It's a toy box version, so it's made mostly for kids to do via Wi-Fi and what have you. But I want to start like creating my own files and uploading stuff. Is there a software you recommend for 3D printing uh, that is fairly user-friendly? Are you going to make the models? I mean, that's the question. Like, I'm happy to do it. I do a lot of SketchUp stuff, but I don't know. I don't know what software to even look at for 3D printing. 
So I'm not necessarily the guy to answer this. I've been just dipping my toes into Fusion 360, and okay. I can model the most basic of things. Okay. But most of the time, I get away with looking for stuff for the shop, finding the things that actually overlap with the tools that I have and printing stuff like that. So I would say my my approach is going to be to go through Fusion 360, rip the Band-Aid off, and try and get good at that. Okay. But uh, I... I don't have any other easier ways. That's all right. Unfortunately. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I did use a free one once. Uh, it wasn't for 3D printing, but um, it was called NanoCAD. It was like an AutoCAD like copy. Hmm. It didn't have all the functionality, but it was free and um, got to play around with it a little bit. Hmm. Okay. So- I mean, they use Fusion 360 to build stuff for like NASA and stuff, don't they? Isn't that the program that they use? Fusion 360 is like pretty serious. Oh, I'm not sure. It's a serious yeah, it's, one, yeah. AutoCAD and all these other ones for machining sometimes, but yeah, Fusion 360 is pretty robust. Yeah. So, all right. On on that on note, YouTube. Are, is there a project that you built either since you started way back in college or recently that you are most proud of and you're like, if I could make this not every day, but this is the one thing that I would hang my hat on? That's a really good question. Um, I am. I, I don't. I don't have an answer immediately that comes to mind because I don't want to build the same thing over and over again. Uh, but if I'm to be known <laughs> for something, I feel you. I mean, Colton and I were talking at Maker Camp about this uh, this protest sign thing that I just took for some reason, just felt really passionate about, and just started trying to make an impact for those folks that don't have the same skills that I do. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was the first time that I got to see my work kind of, I just stood off to the side and got to see people absorb, you know, the the work that I was doing uh, in in service of what they were fighting over. And uh, without being like, Hey, I'm the guy, you know, that was really cool because that was kind of in the middle of being a woodworker or furniture designer slash artist because, um, you know, you're just passively observing someone else look at your work, take photos with it, or do something like that. And for those who don't know, I just I screen printed and created signage for the, the uh, striking writers originally uh, down in uh, in Burbank, California, otherwise known as as Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, the, and, the uh, acronym's that, uh, SAG-AFTRA, right? Or is that yeah? People call it so that. SAG, I mean, yeah, SAG-AFTRA is the Screen Actors Guild, essentially. Okay, and so. So what happened is the writers started to strike and then the, the screen actors uh, joined them because their contracts coincided by a few months and uh, they were fighting over AI and basically big corporate greed. And I was just coming back from vacation, uh, if, if you don't mind, the little aside here to give context. It's coming back from vacation, kind of doing some soul searching and thinking, what am I going to do next? Because I used to sell design services and I frankly didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to get into working with my hands more. And uh, I just thought, you know what? This is such BS that they are taking all the folks that contribute to the thing that they sell. You know, this is Disney and Warner Brothers and all these folks. And they're just not, they're just shortchanging these folks in in a lot of different ways that I felt was really unfair. And at the same time, I'm watching the news broadcast, the the story, which is, <laughs> completely biased because they're all owned by the same folks that they're fighting against. So there was no fair shake except for on social media. And my 
my uh, my skills really just overlap them. I'm a branding person. I was thinking they need a really more effective signage because people are driving by at 40 miles an hour and they can't read your Sharpie handwriting, unfortunately <laughs> for you. Right. So yeah. Uh, oh, I your signs are awesome, man. Like, um, oh, yeah, check so out. he made, so you, you know, the did Mickey you Mouse has like, there you go. Here's a cup. Here's a sample of a few of them. Yeah. Um, so the, the Mickey Mouse hand, the ones I saw were painted white. That one was like wood color. That's right a walnut one. Yeah. yeah. But it's like the Mickey Mouse glove, you know, with like the stripes on the back. He's given the middle finger. And uh, those were hilarious. Um, I saw you make some real big ones on your Instagram. Um, yeah. That. And then it was uh, what the Netflix with the horns and the tail. Netflix with the horns. I got that, uh, I had Bugs Bunny with dollar signs in his eyes. I got this uh, porky pig dollar signs folks nice the reason i say that project is because i got to observe them as i said but the other thing that was cool about it is that the first pass was just the little mickey mouse gloves and i took them out there and i just gave them away to, for free and and kind of walked around with them as they were striking and saw what they were doing and then evolved the process and realized actually the battle's for photos on social media. So I made a nine foot Mickey mouse middle finger and, oh, and just go. bolted it to the bus stop. That was right under the Walt Disney studio sign as a, almost like a photo op for people. And how did you make a nine foot time. tall middle finger of Mickey mouse? I know so, how I did it. I watched it. it you watched it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I took a, uh, I took a projector cause I'm not yeah. a good painter. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I could do little things, but blowing things up and, and scaling them is not my skill set. So I, yeah, I just took a projector. I traced it with a pencil. I hit it with some house paint and a regular brush, uh, just black lines on a white piece of plywood. And I cut it out with a jigsaw and I stuck a two by four to it basically. And, uh, projector's nice genius though. Well, That's you how are, like guys do like murals and stuff. But you obviously had to like at least join multiple pieces of plywood together to get some nine foot tall, right? Well, I guess I'm I'm exaggerating the nine foot from oh, okay. uh, you know from That's the handle to the tip of the finger. There okay. you go. All right. <laughs> oh, so There's it was one sheet. In there. Okay. Wait, was it half inch or are you doing like three quarter inch there? I, I actually I wanted to do everything as cheap as possible because I feel mm. like carrying it around was a was a struggle. Oh. Uh, but I used that. I don't know what they call it because it seems to be different everywhere. It was a twenty nine dollar piece of uh you know the, sometimes they call it fiberboard it's like the hardboard. dark brown stuff oh, hardboard. Yeah. Hardboard. Yeah. oh yeah yeah oh no, so it's hardboard nice. so that's yeah. smooth and super cheap and pretty lightweight and pretty hard yeah yeah, yeah. pretty Just hard don't get it wet and i went yeah, yeah exactly so i went there and i i stood there for a while then i bolt then i realized people had to ask me to take the photo and so then i bolted it to the sign so i was just evolving over time and then yeah. at some point that you know it, this was uh, the better part of a year that this was going on. So I, I actually made friends with some of the people that worked there and were at different locations. And, uh, you know, I'm 15 minutes away. So I just felt like I can go make a splash for those people. I believe in creatives in general. Okay. And it just boiled my blood when I saw that, you know, the, the level of greed that these people were fighting over, they, they basically lost the funds with the work stoppage in about three months of time hmm. and, and let it go for more than six. 
so I, I don't know. It, it was just annoyed me enough. And uh, I got that fire back in me over that project. So for that reason, I guess I'll say that one. Yeah. So I guess to dive in a little bit, like basically from what I understood, uh, people were like making like these shows and they were getting uh, doing the creative part to these shows and like doing all this back work. And they got paid a little bit on the front end. And then the shows would take off and they just weren't getting anything else. Like they weren't rewarded as if it was a great show. Something, something along yeah. the lines or uh, is it more complicated than that. It's a little more complicated, but I could break it down pretty fast. Basically what happened is that back in 2008, I believe they had a, another strike and the way these things work is they get a certain number of years to work under, you know, basically their union agreement. And I'm not a union person. I'm not really familiar exactly with all the ins and outs of it, but what happened is they basically said, we don't know anything about streaming. We don't know what's going to go down. So we, we're not going to give you revenue shares in the same way that we would have with traditional TV and movies because we can, we can track all that data. And so everyone who's an actor is like, okay, whatever, we're, we're glad to work and blah, blah, blah. And fast forward until now, streaming is everything. Yeah. And they don't get residuals. And they say that they don't have the data and they're lying. Because Disney owns Hulu and they have Disney Plus and Netflix knows exactly as all of us are on social media. We know the session times. We know the watch time down to the second. Mm -hmm. So if you think that Netflix doesn't know it. Hop off, hop on. Yeah. Yeah. You're full of, you know, you're full of it. So everything in my being just, I was just boiling with rage. And because I come from a tech background, I'm on social media and I have an axe to grind, so I could do this. I can go down there for $29 plus a little bit of leftover paint. I can have the cover of LA Times or Variety Magazine with the middle finger up there. NBC's out on site trying to shoot video, and they can't because there's middle fingers going left and right. I made 50 of them one day and dropped them all off, and it was the best thing that I've ever seen as far as one of my creations at one time, just <laughs> 50 people with middle fingers walking around and all the NBC guys and the camera guys just freaking out because they don't know what to do. So and, on, uh, on I just note, kept, yeah, just as a, a quick dive in, because you said obviously that you were trying to change where you were going direction wise. And uh, you made these massive uh, middle finger and you made all these smaller middle fingers. They're being utilized. They're being photographed. They're being streamed. They're being pictured with, do you get, credit for that in in a way that like people could see you were the artist that made it and then people started following you based upon it or is it just kind yeah. of a like yeah like, how did that work it's a good question um i i wanted to keep it uh you know i I've tried to be modest in some ways but also i wasn't selling things to people that didn't have a job right so what i did is i put my handle on the nine foot middle finger and you know, occasionally people would tag me. A bunch of people followed me from that. Um, at one of the signs got put into, they called him a strike captain. This woman, Alyssa, was instrumental in helping me get my my project out there. She was like the one making sure people don't get run over in the crosswalks and stuff. Yeah. She was the loudest person, the best person to have one of these things. And she's on social media just tagging me left right and center because she knew that it was mine and also on the back i i, I had a little message that you. said the greedy mouse wants the cheese at design is blank and so anyone who had one in their possession knew who it was okay all right yeah cool very very cool 
What did they say, by the way, when you brought them the first time? Did they just People, laugh and say this is so great or? Yeah, you got a lot of the like the smirks and the, you know, what I did is I had 10 of them and I just gave them to anyone who actually said something to me. They're like, that's a really cool sign. Here you go. It's yours. Take it and bring it as much as you can. I made it permanently out of half inch ply initially. And I told them just bring it every time because that extends my ability to send my message. And yeah. it's something that stands out for you. It's a win-win. And uh, so that just kept happening. And I went out there as much as I could within reason, but, um, but yeah. So now that the, nice. now that the strike is over, what does that lead into for you next? What's, what's the next chapter for Nick Toga? Mm. So uh, I spent the last year, I, I mentioned that I was a kind of a service selling designer before I, I consulted for basically every industry doing websites and branding and stuff like that, which really did not serve my creative flow. So I spent the last year trying to establish my voice on social media. I went to WorkbenchCon, met Colton. I went to Maker Camp trying to involve myself in the community that I've been following for a long time here on, uh, on the, on the internet and realizing that I either have to sell a service or sell a product, uh, to make money at this uh, sort of thing. I think, you know, it's, it's about what am I going to sell, uh, imminently in 2024. And I have my eyes on a couple of plans. I don't want to become a production person. Mm -hmm. I would rather try to strive to come up with some innovative design. So I have a few things in the works there. And I also do digital product design. So I'm, I've sort of ha uh, cut my time in half as far as the making. And uh, I've built a, a digital product that's not in the maker space, but it's something that I hope will... Um, will lead to more freedom and more uh, the, the ability to get in the shop more. That's oh, awesome. So that's a political answer without any specifics. But. <laughs> hey, that works. <laughs> no, I, I get it, man. Dude, one thing I do got to say is I love your uh, voiceovers. What was it? Um, yeah. This one, was, it was, there was one that sticks out. It was a few months ago, I think. Um, I, I might be mixing two of them together, but uh, you did like a jigsaw versus bandsaw video. Hmm. And um, was that the one where you were a cowboy? Two? Oh yeah, yeah. I was the bandsaw <laughs> cowboy. I took a <laughs> the bandsaw cowboy, but yeah. um, and so it was entertaining, but it's also educational. Like um, you talking about how like the jigsaw, like oftentimes you can get tear out and stuff, and to um, upgrade to a bandsaw, you get a lot cleaner cut and uh, different capabilities. Uh, I think that was the gist of it. Yeah, I basically and, um, said the jigsaw is the worst saw uh, that you could sucks. possibly use. It's, uh, <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. the yeah. dumbest saw <laughs> that ever fan. existed. I don't know. I will say it does have a place sometimes. It does have a place. For tricky Tr or Trashy. sketchy situations. I used one today, actually. <laughs> I got the old Harbor Freight one plug-in like off the wall. It's, it's and, a little um, bit faster than using a coping saw. I'll say that. Well, yeah. jigsaw is good for like if you've got like let's say you're cutting out a big round table and you're going to use a router template, you can hog out just outside of the line rough around it, but nothing likes a Trebek. I, I've, <laughs> I've cut some crazy stuff with a jigsaw and it all, it all looked like crap. And I've got pretty good with it. And it just, it just doesn't behave. They never will. It's not, there's so much flex in the blade. Oh yeah. And, and the woods pushing it, whichever way it wants to go. Like there is no cutting straight with a jigsaw. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, I have a question. So what got you into wood turning? I actually went to a school to, to learn to wood turn and did it for a little while and then I haven't done it since. So I love, yeah. it's probably my favorite part of woodworking is wood turning. Yeah. Uh, so my father actually is like the best woodworker I know and the slowest also, I, I should say. He makes yeah, okay. jewelry boxes like he's got some kind of burning desire to create, you know, the best jewelry box possible. You know, I'm talking a hundred coats of French polish type of thing. Okay, and he's Jesus. just in the shop, just in his, you know, in his zone, just doing his thing, completely the opposite way that I work. And uh, he, his father, my grandfather used to turn, you know, that was his only tool. And he always chalked it up to the old man sport, you know, just, this is just the the kind of woodworking that old men do and never really wanted to get into it. And, uh, my mom got him a course, this guy in Vegas, this awesome guy. If you ever are in Vegas and you want to take a turning class, there's this guy named Jimmy clues teaches, uh, turning out of his garage. He's fantastic. And he's just salt of the earth type of guy. He makes turning cool and accessible. And my dad was signed up. My mom is like, you're going with him. So we went to Vegas and we we learned uh, turning out of the garage, basically. Next Christmas, my dad had a little jet lathe. He he loved it so much that he just upgraded. And now I got a jet lathe. I got the little, there you uh, go. I don't even know what it is, but it's small. It's small-ish, but uh, I have a good time. And the reason I like it is because I think there's a lot of, ways you can innovate there, whether you're gluing up, you know, taking other woodworking techniques, uh, and, uh, applying them with the lathe, you know, whether it's epoxy or, you know, segmented things or using the CNC, I got a couple ideas there, uh, to just, you know, maximize the wood usage or do something cool. And, uh, yeah. the great thing about the wood turning is just, you can go out into the shop for an hour and come out with a finished piece if you're fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's cool, especially cause I don't have a shop right now. So I have to freeze my ass off outside and <laughs> turn <laughs> yeah. something really fast and run back inside. So, well, I like yeah. the wood turning cause it, uh, it feels more like art than like other forms, you know, like on a table does. saw, everything's real square math like angles, like push it through, like put together. Whereas whenever I, I'm on the lathe, man, you're like feeling that wood and you're like checking angles and trying to round it and feels more like painting yeah. as opposed to like, I guess, I don't know, normal woodwork. I but. agree with you on that. Like, cause when you cut something on table saw, you just set a fence and you push it through. There's no, like, there's no, like, uh, you, you don't know, feel hands, the wood, man. Yeah, yeah. Your hands not doing anything special. You know, it's you just guys pushing clearly it. are not cutting joinery on a table saw. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, but when you cut on wood, when you turn wood, the only thing that turning things do is turning it. And then you're doing all the rounds and all that. It's, it is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I've watched, uh, there's this one guy and I haven't been able to find him, but he's a, a production turner. So like make stair spindles and stuff like that. And his lathe looks different. It's, 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 you know, it's long, but, uh, I think he could probably do a bar height table leg, but the, um, the rest is as long as the thing, the rest goes all the way down and he puts that block of wood on there while it's going, doesn't even turn it off, holds it, puts it in, puts the other side in and he does everything with a skew. He doesn't change his thing. He does everything with a skew, which is the hardest thing to use, uh, most likely to catch. And, 
you know, he makes his marks with his little tippet, mark, 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 and then yeah, 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 and then, and then it's like sandpaper and it's done. Like a minute, a whole spindle. And then he goes to the next one. And it's just like, holy cow, he makes beads with a skew, like anything. It's unbelievable. So that's how good you can get. You know, being being a turner, which I think bowls are is like a whole different world aside from spindles. But yeah, I love wood turning. I think it's just amazing. Yeah, I was about to get into a, a, a project that may or may not involve illegal activity. I need to liberate a piece of wood that I found, which may or may not be on city property. Yeah, it's like this <laughs> burl. It's just a down tree, but it has a burl on it. And it's been sitting there for years, but um, actually, I, I I now get wood for Christmas because I've ascended as a woodworker. Oh, that's uh, awesome! Nobody knows what to buy me, so they just buy me wood. It's awesome. But uh, I got uh, this expensive burl to turn, but I don't want to turn it because I'm scared of ruining it. So right. I'll liberate this piece and try that first. And uh, there you go. types of things are exciting. Still, yeah. I was gonna ask, you got a lot of uh, being a second uh, second generation or third generation turner. Uh, you have any cool tools that have been handed down to you? I don't because my grandfather was on the East Coast and I'm all the way out here in Los Angeles. Um, I got so you. Things went to my uncles. But um, yeah, my dad's got the epic collection of, you know, Lee Nielsen, all the hand tools. He, he does oh, yeah. finer stuff than I do. And um, the guy who the guy who taught us turning has these quick release uh, lathe tools where you don't have yeah. to have like, you know, 40 handles. So that's nice. Uh, those are really cool. I like oh, those. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. I haven't turned in a while. Last time I did though, I just got a set of the carbide bits and, um, oh, yeah, made a, a different it made game. a big difference. It was, it was neat. I got to ask because I, I have turned before, but it literally was in high school wood shop uh, and I have not done it since it is the one major tool I've never owned. Uh, do you have a soundtrack that plays in your mind every time that you're turning? Is it like for every season, turn, 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 or <laughs> turn around? I was going to say, you spin you me yeah. rolling, right around, baby, yeah, like right There's so round, many options. Like, record, <laughs> like what, what, what's your go-to, you know, hum along while you're, you're turning music? Or just your music in general. What are you jamming the shop, man? Yeah, so I... I have a, a weird taste where it is, it kind of crosses over everything. So I just have this giant playlist of things that mixes everything from classic rock to, uh, you know, hip hop. I like 90s hip hop, but, you know, anything really. And my playlists don't make sense to anyone else. So yeah, I'm all over the place. Uh, you know, big Zeppelin. I'm with you on that, man. Uh, Dude, I, yeah, different playlist every day, man. One day it's yeah. 80s rock to montage out for a few hours. And yeah. then uh, next day it's metalcore. Next day it's, yeah, 90s hip hop. Yep. I'll, I'll go from, the, yeah, uh, Joy. I'll go from Joy Division to Tupac to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the yeah. order. You know, nice. it's like none of it makes sense. But I, yeah, anything. The lathe with the set of headphones on is very calming. It's just you're in your own world. You should try I'll opera. That's what I like. Opera. <laughs> Listen to like classical music and opera while you're turning. It's pretty. Wait, cool. really? Yeah, absolutely. 
It can like, get oh, you I, in a nice. I've never like, tried nice, that. I will actually yeah, I say like, you're feeling artsy fartsy, like right? Like big <laughs> Italian opera while you're turning. It's amazing. I actually oh, have man. done that when when I snowboard, like just put like oh. you take your entire playlist and just put it on shuffle. And you'd be surprised how much the music totally changes your mood for whatever run mm-hmm. you're on. Like you could be coming through with like a metalcore song, like doing a tree run. And all of a sudden you come out into a clearing and it goes into like an aria of opera. And you feel like you were doing everything in slow-mo in like some epic <laughs> snowboarding video. It's so oh, good. It. So good. Oh, man. It is. It is good. It it, is good. I, 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 I told- know it'll make you drive fast. Yeah. I tell Crystal that all the time, man. Music really, like, I think it really affects how you feel and perform. 100%. Like, I'll, I'll come upstairs. Like, she'll, she'll be, when she's working home, working from home, like, I'll come up to her office and she'll just be, like, dead silent. And I'm like, baby, you got to be playing some music in the background. You got to pump yourself up. Like, you got you to make yourself feel good, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yeah. I have I have this thing with music where, you know, it's it's sort of related to what we're talking about with social media, though this this new thing where people are using the same trending songs over and over again like that just drives me insane Mm -hmm. so i'm like totally just picking music that i like that feels like it flows sometimes it's stuff that i was listening to while making the thing Mm -hmm. um there's something about music and there's probably something about making in general general creatives i study a lot of uh historical sort of moments that are like the point where people take off and I'm really, really inspired by a lot of musicians for whatever reason. A uh, couple examples that come to mind is uh, the Beatles get back. I don't know if you've seen that documentary, Mm-mm. but everybody knows the Beatles, right? They have footage of pretty much um, Paul McCartney just strumming on a bass guitar and coming up with get back like in real time while Ringo's like, oh, this, this is good. This is let's do, let's do something with this. And uh, John Lennon strolls in late. It's like an epic moment that is caught on on camera, and and obviously is a huge song. Maybe it's not their best song or anything, but it was just a cool moment. And the uh, the other one is just Jimi Hendrix as a kid took a broom to school, and he he people were like what is this kid doing with this broom in fact his his teacher basically called you know the city and was like we need to get this kid money for a a, a guitar he's going to have some sort of like long lasting mental breakdown if he doesn't get one <laughs> and uh that failed he got he got like a one string ukulele out of the trash and taught himself and and a lot of people know that he's left-handed and played it upside down but the fact that you can go from that and just kind of push there's just something about music and there's the serendipity around it. It just, it goes hand in hand with making for sure, but it's just cool to to see that you can come up with something brand new and something really, you know, powerful with just one tool. That's awesome. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Everyone here, we all all play instruments as well. Um, I get that, man. Yeah. Colton plays the skin flute. (laughs) He is first chair at skin flute, man. That was back in my college days, but come on, guys. Uh, so, Nick, what, what, you've actually days brought up some, some great kind of background stuff about you, but we like to do a little bit of rapid-fire trivia that has absolutely nothing to do with woodworking or making. It's just random questions, and it helps us learn a little bit more about our guests. And uh, would you be up to playing? 
Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Oh, dude, I'm excited for this. So it is a three-minute timer, and Jess will ask you the questions, and the idea is to, whether one-word answers or as fast as you can come up with answers, and we'll see how many questions you can answer in the time allotted. Yes, that's true. And you can... You can elaborate if you would like, or you can just give me an answer, and there is no right or wrong, And uh, but the goal is to get as many questions right as you can in the th- – or answer as many questions as you can in three minutes. Now, I only right. have 30 questions. Okay. So the most that's ever been done is like 20-something, so. Uh, All I, right. I was, I was going to ask, what, what's the record right now? Is it 19? Uh, as I'm looking – it is 20 questions by Dave from Gearheart. Oh, yes. Gearheart. Dave got it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, what Luke in the garage had it at 17 before that. And then, uh, yeah. All right. Still in a pen. All right. Okay. So some of these are repeats from other guests. Some of these are new. Are you ready? Ross, tell okay. me when the timer begins. Okay. Three minutes. We'll start in three, two, one, go. All right, Nick, if you could only eat one fruit for the rest of your life, what would it be? Kiwi. Would you rather have fingers as long as your legs or legs as long as your fingers? Legs as long as my fingers. (laughs) If animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Cats. Toilet Mm, paper over or under? Over. Savages. If you were <laughs> if you were a ghost, who would you haunt first? Mm. That's a good question. The owners of Disney? <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. Okay, very there good. Go. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Uh, oh, yeah. What's the weirdest smell you actually enjoy? Gasoline. Hell yeah. Oh, that is a good one. If you had to be one age forever, what age would you choose? 27. If you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Uh, if time travel is not an option, I'll take flying. Okay. That's flying. what I do. Yeah, that's a good one. I think time travel is acceptable. Yeah. What's yeah. the most useless talent you have? I can do this. <laughs> that's, nice. that's not useless. That's amazing. That's, that's All right. Neat. <laughs> I can do I can do that about one every twenty. All right. Uh <laughs> would you rather fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? One horse sized duck. Yeah, me too. All right, what's the best type of cheese? Mm, buffalo mozzarella. Oh, oh, now we're talking. I'm glad you didn't say Fermunda. All right. If you could only use one emoji for the rest of your life, which would it be? Middle finger. Assuming that the Disney Disney middle finger finger isn't it. Okay. Uh, If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Uh, Avocado. That's a fruit. Uh, Yeah, that's a fruit. Yes. Well, Uh, that's terrible. (laughs) <laughs> if you could, if you could, um, if you could have dinner with any fictional character, who would it be? Uh, dinner with a fictional character, I would take Mickey Mouse. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, I don't know. I'm stumped. 
Uh, All right, twenty seconds. Yeah, pass. All right, we'll pass. <laughs> we'll move on to the next one. Um, if you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Whiskey. Yeah. All right, that's gonna burn your eyes. Uh, what's the worst <laughs> movie you've ever seen but secretly loved? Five seconds. Uh, I don't know. I'm that's blanking. Dude, where's my car? Is mine. Oh. That movie is like, oh, it's so bad, but I love it. All right, it's very good. Yeah, very good. Sixteen That's questions was your total. Very Dude, good. Sweet. very good. Dude, well done, sir. All right. Well yes, done. and they are savages. The under people with the toilet paper. I don't know what world they're on. Yeah. Beards are cool. Mullets are bad. Okay, it's just the way. It's just what the saying. Goes. <laughs> you say mullets are bad? Yeah. What? Have you ever seen the little sign with the toilet paper? And it's got oh, like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, beards I, are cool, mullets are bad. I get it, but I don't like it. But I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody pulled the patent for that toilet paper roll, I think, not too long ago, circulating the internet. Yep. And it, it was absolutely like, there is an absolute right way to do this. So. That is correct. Is it really? Closed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for playing. Now yeah. we know a little bit more about you. All yeah, right. Great. And with that in mind, well, do you want to learn a little bit? We typically do a little bit of uh, information. Jess blesses us with a little bit of wood trivia and a little bit yes. of word of the week. Oh, yeah. That's sure. right. Word of the All week. Right. Let's learn a little something. Wow. 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 Wood of the week. All right. This wood of the wow. week is, is uh, got multi names. It's called Catalogs. K-A-T-A-L-O-X, catalogs. Okay. Uh, often referred to often referred to as Mexican royal ebony. Right? Hmm. Um, it if you look up this wood, you will want this wood in your life. Um That's what they said is, about Ron Jeremy. This is true. This is true. That actually I heard a, a documentary about him and the girl saw his picture and they're like, hey, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> All right. Catalogs, nine and a half. Catalogs specifically known as Swartzia cubanisis predominantly grows in Central and South America, especially in Mexico, Guatemala, and Brazil. This tropical hardwood thrives in humid rainforest environments. It is like the most beautiful walnut and ebony cross you've ever seen. It's like this deep, almost black, uh, brown color. Um, it's not as uh, rare. I mean, if you type in catalogs on Google – you can see all kinds of people make stuff out of it. They charcuterie boards made out of catalogs. Um, it's extremely hard. 3,600 on the Janka hardness scale, which is way, way up there, even more than eBay. It almost I mean, looks like a, Peru- a Peruvian walnut as far as the darkness of right of that dark wood. Right. Is it still having just, like some light blonde streaks in it? Yeah. So like it has like extremely blonde streaks in it. Oh. And so like I saw some charcuterie boards – that were yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? So it's, it's almost got a purple hue to it. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah, it's almost that's like it looks got, like it's almost like joined into it. Yeah, like, like maple. It doesn't even look like the same tree. Yep. It is exactly. It is wow. absolutely gorgeous. Um, wow. Obviously, it's used in a lot of different things. Uh, definitely for guitar fingerboards. Oh, definitely yeah. for guitar fingerboards because it's a thirty six hundred and it's so dark. It can, can it can withstand constant wear. It polishes up, you know, on mm-hmm. its own. So that's why it's another reason why it's good for anything. It's got good acoustic properties. Um, it's not endangered. 
So uh, it hasn't been over harvested as of yet. So it's still doing pretty good. Um, it's definitely hard to work with hand tools because it's so mm. stinking dense and hard. Hmm. Um, it has some cultural significance in Central American cultures. They use it for like ceremonial objects. But one thing that I did find, I won't say it's a famous object, but they make chess sets out of it. Hey, that's so, fun. You could yeah, probably really make pretty, both the white and the black pieces right, out of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Either so, the board and or the actual pieces. Yeah, or both. Right, yeah. So Luthiers definitely likes catalogs. Um, it's great for uh, wood turning and sculptures. People like to turn it into smaller stuff. I just saw you could buy catalogs like pin blanks and things like that. So yeah, catalogs, Mexican ebony. So there you go, guys. Nick, this week's you ever get any catalogs the over there in Cali? I've never seen that or heard of it, but it looks cool. You can get it. At, you yeah. can get it at Woodcraft. You can get little bits of it at Woodcraft and stuff. Yeah. So what, what if you're going to make something double? Small. Did it say anything about the cost of it in comparison with? So like, if you look on like eBay, there's some stuff selling it. I mean, it's going to be up there. Probably in the fifteen dollar board foot range. So it's like really, if you're only it's like a Peruvian bit. walnut yeah. or like the higher end walnut. It just depends, you know, because these people when they sell it, like I saw some four by four catalogs on there, and yeah. it was several hundred dollars, you know, for one. So if you're gonna make a table leg out of it or whatever, it just depends, right? Because the drying process is difficult with something that hard. I'm gonna timber really frame good. my entire house out of it. <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> you better have a good foundation because that's gonna be heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it doesn't. I don't think it floats either. I think it's in one of those woods. It doesn't float. Oh, that's so I can it's, build it in a floodplain. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be perfect. Yeah. So there you go, catalogs. Sidebar, sidebar. This is for Ross especially. So I went and looked at JC's house today. He's, a, he's somebody we had on a podcast. He's a friend of mine. And so he goes, what do you think we can do with this deck out front? And it's pretty. They like did like a, a rounded thing. Yeah. It's an old house. It's been in this particular part for well over 100 years. It's been remodeled seven times. They totally gutted it now. But And I'm looking at the deck, and he's like, because it was all gray, but it was still in good shape, and there was no screw holes. He was hidden fasteners. And I'm like, um... This is eBay. And I was like, you're not going to tear this out. And he goes, no, no, we don't want to tear it out. And he's like, we need to finish it. I was like, I don't know. So what's your suggestion? There's a couple cupped ones. uh, So what I would recommend for you, uh, rent a floor sander. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Rent a floor sander and you better mask up like an SOB. Uh, I don't know, man. It's right on the street. All right. So the other thing. So the other, I have seen people literally refinish an EPay deck by getting on their hands and knees and using palm sanders to then strip everything down. And then you put new layers of teak oil on there, but I would save yourself a lot of trouble and use a floor sander for the majority and then get down and dirty with a, a palm sander if you need to, but you can absolutely refinish it. So we had a bunch of tables this guy made for us when I worked at that old store and he found there. She's like, I'm tearing out this deck. Do you want the wood? He's like, yeah. She's like, it's their guys are having a hard time getting it out. And he went over and it was eBay. And so he planed it and turned it into And eBay does this cool squiggly like grain when you, when it gets older, mm-hmm. like instead of like cracking straight. The other thing I noticed about this deck is, you know how like normally on a deck board, they'll butt them. Yeah. They serpentined. Really? The joints perfectly. 
So he must have held them together and then cut them with a saw and then yeah. put them back together. But he's serpentined the joints, and they're all still sitting real pretty and flat. It's oh, quite that's interesting. Awesome. I'll have to send you oh, pictures man. of it. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to have to take it all apart, and I don't want him to replace it. But it's a little spongy, so I'm worried that underneath's messed up. But anyway, all right. Well, you don't think a pressure washer would do it, huh? You can try. I mean, it's not going to hurt. Sand it. Yeah, I would start with a pressure washer and see what it does, and then come back with a sander and do it in stages. Nah, I don't want to do it that bad. Okay, My back's too bad for this. Uh, <laughs> I'll just tell him it's a lost cause and hopefully he'll give me the wood. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, one of the things that we, we like to also imbibe upon is a little bit of whiskey. Are you a brown spirits drinker? You said you wanted to swim in some whiskey. I do. And I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, would you like to learn about the whiskey? Hell yeah. I would very much so. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. The whiskey of the week. So the whiskey of the week from last week was Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon. Now, Colton, I know you and I have texted back and forth on this one, but uh, as a short question, were you able to procure it and did it dandy? I was not able to procure the Cedar Ridge. Um, The nearest liquor store I found that had it was in Kansas. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm in Houston, so that didn't work out. Um, but we did, we're, we're able to get the, uh, number nine small batch. Okay. Iowa bourbon. Yeah. Which is, um, I believe it's a sister distillery. Okay. Or something like that. Right. Like uh, if you go to the Cedar Ridge or it's Cedar Ridge, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you go to the Cedar Ridge website, um, this number nine small batch is also on there, but there's some fun stuff that, so it's actually like, the official whiskey of Slipknot. Okay. So not like uh, out, like on the back of the bottle, it says Slipknot on it, right? Nice. Sold. Like the metal band <laughs> has like their logo and like in their logo, and um, it's funny. The uh, the guy who owns the liquor store actually suggested it at first, and um, then I, I recognized it from like going to the website. But uh, yeah, then he proceeded to show me his. Uh, he had an emo phase, like a pretty hardcore. And um, like blacked out eyes and like the the glove sleeves and which is so fun. <laughs> he was he was into it, man. And um, yeah, which they 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 know us now. Like uh, they they have my card. Like I offered to make them a sign too or something if they ever needed something for the the liquor store. But but yeah, it's like a little bit of liquor store. It's like in a strip mall. You wouldn't expect it to be really nice, right? It's called Orion Liquor, and you go in and they they've been the best place to find some of these hard to find liquors. That's awesome. That, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the number nine, dude, it freaking, so the nose on it, like it, it starts off like a rye, right? Like yep. you, it's not a rye. It, it, it feels like it's going to be a little spicy. Right. And then like, I don't, I don't know if I want to say fruity, but like, or malty or whatever, but it, it comes in as like a normal straight whiskey after that with, um, so I had to look this up. I used to call it like dirty, right? Okay. Like the way it tastes like, like dirty, but, um, I think the real term for it is earthy. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so this one has like some earthy tones once it like sets in, but I don't know really to, I guess to paint a picture around it, it it's, it's not like bull riding, right? It's not as chaotic 
as like okay. a bull ride, but to stay with the rodeo theme, it's kind of like steer wrestling or what I imagine steer wrestling would be. Right. Like, um, you know, we're, I'm involved with the Houston rodeo every year. Right. Uh, just for volunteering for stuff like, but, um, I was, I always thought that if I were to do a rodeo event, I would do the steer wrestling. Right. And steer wrestling, you know, they're, they're mounted on a horse, right? Like you're on your quarter horse and you yeah. jump off and you hit the steer with your chest. Like you're off the horse now. And then you got to grab it by the horns and then put your hip into it, flip it over and then uh, tie it up. Right. Okay. And, um, the whiskey is kind of like that, like with the rye at the front. And like when you hit that, uh, steer with your chest and then you flip it over and it's smooth from there. Okay. And I, I really liked it, man. It was a good one. And, um, especially coming off of like a really nice week last week with the, uh, the bakers, it, um, bookers, bookers. I, I knew I was gonna get that wrong. <laughs> coming off the bookers even like, uh, it was good, and and oh, for the cocktail, dude. You uh, so Ross actually gave me a suggestion on the cocktail this week, and to you do suggested a Sazerac. A Sazer, a Sazerac, yeah. Get away from um, oh, I'm forgetting the name the of it. Vermouth. Vermouth, yeah. Getting away from the vermouth, and um, so yeah, it the Sazerac went really good. I'm having trouble keeping them not too sweet though. Right. So like the, the main recipe calls for like a sugar cube. And yes. so I try to estimate a sugar cube with like my simple syrup stuff. Yeah. And, it's usually um, about a half ounce, quarter ounce to yeah, a half ounce. Which, which I, I was going, the this last one I'm sipping on right here, uh, I did a quarter ounce, which I kind of want to do even less. Okay. Like, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe the whiskey was kind of like has some sweet tones that are doubling up on the sweet. But yeah, it's like the Peychaud's. Is yeah. that how you say it? Peychaud's the, bitters. The bitters. Yeah, the Peychaud's and then like uh, the absinthe. I didn't realize how much I was going to like absinthe. Man, yeah, if you like, like black licorice, it definitely oh. ties it all together. Yeah. And like normally I wouldn't be like, oh, I love licorice. But in a cocktail, man, it, it went it went really good. Crystal loved it too. Awesome. She actually asked for a second one. I nice. made her first one. But, uh, <laughs> so the whiskey of the week yeah. for this coming week is actually Green Spot, which is part of the Jameson Irish whiskey family. And it, it is part of their pot still collection. And there are actually multiple marks in that family. But the first three that came out were green spot, yellow spot, and red spot. And it was actually a way that when all of the, the still masters or the, the barrel masters would test out barrels in their warehouse, they would either mark barrels with a green spot, a yellow spot, or a red spot, whether they were ready to go, they needed a little bit of time, or absolutely not ready at all. So, um, now, I'm assuming the green spot is a good green is go like, a yes, top green. It, it tends to be a little bit younger. Uh, the red spot, basically they, they said it had to go into blending as opposed to single barrel kind of production. Uh, but it's, it's evolved from the initial program that they came up with, but that was the idea behind it. So I'm curious to see your thoughts on the green spot, but you should be able to get that without a problem in greater Houston. All right. So, oh, look forward to it, man. Nick, you uh, you got a, a favorite brown drink you like? You know, I'm a I'm a pretty simple guy. If I want cheap, I go Elijah Craig, and if oh, yeah. I uh, I don't know, I I like them all. I don't really I don't really get too fancy, but uh, I like a Glenn Levitt. I'm with you. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. They blend with it. I actually suggested that to my mom. Like, um, you know, we have a big freeze coming in here in Texas and she's up in Dallas. So she's getting even harder than I am in Houston. And they were stocking up for the freeze. And she called me when she was at a liquor store <laughs> and, uh, Glenn Livett was one of the ones I suggested to her. Nice. Widely yeah. available, usually a good yeah. one. Yeah. I was misled. Easy drinker. Man. I need to call Colton right. out, though, because I was misled. And How I, so? Oh, shit. Did you get the TX? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've never been more oh, upset. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know. Oh, man. So then Dude, let so me ask this. To, Go ahead, Colton. Explain. Yeah. So we had to change whiskeys like three times, and then, uh, which normally doesn't happen. And I was like, Today I was like, "Oh crap! I don't think I updated Nick on the the last minute change to number nine. Oh, because uh, so we went thing. from <laughs> we went from so <laughs> the uh, Cedar Ridge to uh, uh, the I couldn't find it anywhere, right? And so I, I was texting Nick. I was like, "Hey, if you want to hop in on the whiskey of the week, man, um, yeah, this is it." I and had we changed. I had recommended the as the change. To TX Whiskey, which is another yeah. Texas-based whiskey brand. And then Colton was able to find the Slipknot Whiskey, which is associated with the state of Iowa. And so that tied in a little yeah. bit more to Cedar Ridge. So, Nick, let me ask this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you were able to procure some TX Whiskey. What'd you think? Whoa, we got two whiskeys. This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We should do this yeah. every week. Well, I was worried about drinking whiskey starting at 5 and getting a little too <laughs> sloshed on this podcast. So I just popped it open and took my first sip. It never okay. stopped anybody else. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Well, <laughs> you uh, well have you sipped it yet? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, like just it. it. I Do like you got it. a big cube in there? I got a huge You got one cube. of those large ice cubes? Yeah, I keep them on deck. Oh, what are your nice. initial nice. thoughts on the TX whiskey? Let me try it again and let you know. Okay. Mm. It's light. It's light. It's light. Uh, it's smooth, although this ice cube was sitting there for a minute, so I might have watered it down slightly on that first pour. Um, but yeah, smooth. I like it. Okay. I like it. I uh, yeah, TX. It, it's got a good like sweet backing to it, right? Like um, it's been a while since I've had it, but I noticed that there was a bunch of different kinds. I didn't even know if I got the right one, but uh, it's not. It, yeah. So typically, yeah. when I recommend one one of the whiskeys, I try and recommend the base model, not only to showcase you know what the entry level option is, and typically the most widely available option is from any distillery, but also to show kind of the base that all the other products are based on. So if you like that one, you'll probably like these other ones, kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. So. No, it's a good. It's a good non recommended recommended whiskey. I like awesome. it. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> Nick, I'm sorry we switched up again, man. I, I dropped the ball on that, brother. My bad. I mean, but, I'll uh, pick that I, ball I, I, up I every the... time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I got I got a fun story with, with uh, TX whiskey though. So okay. the first time I ever met Crystal's dad, right? We uh he he's up in Plano near Dallas area, like northern Texas. Mm-hmm. And um what was it? We uh we were me and Crystal had been dating for a minute. Right. And just getting to meet him. And he had a full handle of TX whiskey, like a one seven five. And uh, we popped top off of that. And we kept talking until about 5 a.m. when we finished that bottle. And it was good from start to end, man. Like like we never got too hammered. And it led to a strong conversation. Drunk people. (laughs) 
<laughs> it, it wasn't a show, man. We, we, were, we were just having a good time and excited that we both loved Crystal. And, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, it, 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 it was cool. But, yeah, that was TX Whiskey. So I always uh, talk to Jeff about TX Whiskey when I see him. But nice. Yeah. Very good. So just, we'll have to have TX back sometime, though, too. We shall. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll bring Nick back for it, too. I'll be yeah. there. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. So, Jess, what else you got for us going on? Well, I got I got two different ones. I either got trivia and in, in honor of Martin Luther King Day, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, it's all dark woods. Okay. And then, and I don't know <laughs> if that's culturally What's appropriate, but sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah. A lot of them are so. from Africa. What's option two? Option uh, two <laughs> is something that uh, I got together for the first of the year, and it's all about firsts, first things in your life. So which one would you – we'll let Nick pick, right? So, Nick, which would you like to do? Would you like to do wood trivia on dark woods, or would you like to do trivia on first? The, the firsts is just your answer. It's not really trivia, but it's all about firsts. I think I'm going to go first. Yeah. First. Yeah. Okay. Go with the first. Uh, pick a number between one and 30. Eight. Eight. Ooh. Can you remember the first time you felt truly independent? Oh. That's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. I think if I'm supposed to answer first, uh, I got a BMX bike at some point as a kid and I just rode it and I just kept riding it. And, uh, I just had this thought that, you know, I have mobility, I have a vehicle, I can go to the store by myself. And I went and I bought like a Gatorade or something. And I think that was probably it. Hmm. There you go. It's good. good. Dude, I I remember like that. We would went and bought those, um, little ice cream balls, uh, dots or whatever they're called or dip dips or something. And, uh, dipping dots. Dude, I, that that is a good level of freedom, man. When you got your first bike, man, like you can get out there and oh, dude, I love that. Yeah, I remember my most. In, uh, I think if we're going that far back, there was a gas station down at the end of our like. There was like an alley by our house, and you walked down at the end of the alley, across the street, and there was like this gas station called the Oasis, and um, they had a Wonderwall. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was. They had Wonderwall. Yeah, there was, it was run by a bunch of British guys that were jerks, and they, <laughs> uh, they. My mom knew them, you know, kind of because we would go there. Like she would need spaghetti or something, and she would send me up there later on. But I remember the first time I was like, "I've got somebody gave me change, or they would give me their change," and I'm like, "Can I go up there and get some gum or something?" And she's like, "Yes." She's like, "But go there and come straight back." And I was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Oh!" And it just felt so good to be like totally in control of something. It was the first like paying with my own money and all that stuff. That feeling of independence. But I would say my real first feeling of independence, like truly, was after my second divorce, and I lived on my own for the first time. And had my own apartment and my own car and everything was all on my own because I got married and moved out. That was my my first marriage. So that's when I really felt like I went to the grocery store and I was like, you know what? I can take as much time as I want in this grocery store. If I want to look at cheese for 20 minutes, I can look at cheese for 20 minutes. (laughs) And I did. 
and I and I called my mom and I'm like, this is amazing and you know everything. And then I met Ashley and I went to crap. Now I'm back being married again. But still, <laughs> I felt very independent. That was my yeah. first feeling of independence. Like I really truly felt independent. Nice. I would agree with that. My first apartment on my own after I had moved out of the house. Uh, but going a little bit younger, I started going to concerts from the age of 10. Basically I would go with my brother and I would go with, you know, whoever. Uh, but I remember the first time when I was 13 or so, uh, going to a concert in Chicago with just some of my friends and we literally got on the train, went down there ourselves in Chicago, went to the concert, had an amazing time, came back. That independence of doing that as 13-year-olds, I don't know that I would give my children the same autonomy <laughs> because I, I like to think I was a little bit more streetwise than they currently are. My kids have no idea when it comes to that, but uh, that, would, that would be because of my wife, but that's okay. And, uh, yeah, so that would be my, my memory on that. Yeah. I can imagine that's, it's a hard thing to let go of. Like thinking back to how independent I was when I was pretty young and then allowing myself to do that or allowing my children to do that. Like, like, I don't know. I was an idiot sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like (laughs) really you (laughs) Okay. No. (laughs) Color me surprise. That is, that is, that is absurd, sir. Yeah, man. What about you, Colt? Well, the bike thing was a big one. Uh, and the dip and dots. I do remember we, we had a gas station like at the entrance of our neighborhood. And um, I would just With take dip off. And dots. I remember one day I took off on my bike and we lived on a, a lake. It's a little mud hole of a lake. There, there wasn't ever any boats on it besides us. And um, like when the water got down, you could walk across it uh, just about. And... Yeah, if you wore a white T-shirt into this lake, it was Lake Wichita in Wichita Falls, uh, Texas. And if you wore a white T-shirt in there, it would come out like stained brown. But there was it was like kind of a rainy day or misty day, and there was a huge rainbow going. And I just tried to find the end of the rainbow. I was just like on my bike, just like going to like around the whole neighborhood, seeing if I could find the end of the rainbow. And that's pretty free. And there was a short person in town there. just running around going, they're always after me, Lucky Charms. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't get it. All right. You guys want to do a couple more? Yeah. Okay. Um, So, Colton, why don't you pick a number between one and 30, not not eight? Two. Uh, We already did that one. How about three? um, Sorry, 15. 15. Actually, that's what I was going to pick. Perfect. That's weird. Can you recall your first heartbreak? Oh yes! Oh yeah, dude! <laughs> oh yeah! And what was his name? <laughs> oh, her name was uh, <laughs> was uh, Emily, and, and um, yeah, no, I, I learned a lot from that man. It was in high school, and um, it was the kind of relationship where, like, the the captain of the basketball team would hit on her in class. She was a grade ahead of me. And she'd uh, dump me for a week and pursue that. And then it didn't work out and I'd let her come back. And uh, it was a good lesson for like staying up for myself. And yeah, but I, I got to learn everything the hard way. I think, you know, it comes out to, 
And so um, I do see that re- reoccurring pattern. Are you yeah. Sh- you yeah. Sure? And, and so I had to learn the hard way that I need to value myself. And but yeah, which she's a great person. I'm not trying to bash her on her here, but, um, but yeah, I think she's doing well now, but I don't know. We haven't kept up. So that's probably advisable. What with, you know, being married to someone else. <laughs> oh, I, I, I guarantee you, my wife still knows all her old boyfriends on Facebook. I know yeah. she probably knows who they're married to, and she she's like a little sleuth. How about you, what about Nick? You, Ross? Oh, Nick. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, um, I have a good memory, I guess. But I had a girlfriend in fifth grade, and at the point, mm. I, at least in California, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but fifth grade, and then you go to middle school. So different school, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that pivotal time where basically half the class seems to disappear. So you have all these friends that you've known for a long time. So my my fifth grade girlfriend uh, went to a different school, and I basically never saw her again. And if that counts as heartbreak, oh. uh, that'll be the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, for me, real honest-to-goodness heartbreak was definitely my high school girlfriend uh, when we left to go to separate colleges. Um she was not one who was like, Oh, it's a sentimental moment. She's like, yeah, I'll just, all right, have a good one. And (laughs) she's like, it'll hit me like a week or two later. And it, it crushed me, man. Took me a a while to get over her. So. That sucks. No, I mean, did you get a lot better guitar during that? Like, I I felt like, dude, I I had a long breakup. You have like, I, I have realized about myself when I'm in a a really good relationship, I actually don't really write good songs. Like I, I don't write the best songs when I'm happy, when I am like heartbroken or angry, I've written whole albums in like a week and I'm not exaggerating. Like I've recorded said albums that I wrote in an entire week and, uh, they're incredible, like absolutely incredible albums. And they were all about, you know, one girl or, you know, two different girls over time or whatever. Yeah. 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 Your heart's screaming, man. Oh, yeah. Get I it get all that. out there. Yeah. Crystal's brother, uh, you know, he's Marine Corps right now. And uh, he he's getting into guitar and um, uh, he's got his first like nice acoustic. And uh, every time we see each other, you know, uh, like give him a quick lesson and we'll play. But uh one of the times we were at the lake and I brought my guitar or no, he brought his guitar and um, he had some lyrics that he was writing mm-hmm. and uh, they were good. I liked them. And we put some chords to him uh, just willy nilly. And uh, at the end of it though, it's like, man, are you all right? Like, is everything <laughs> going good with you, bro? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I hear you on that. How about you, Jess? Uh, I liked this one girl from the time that I met her when I was young and then my, I never did anything. And then, um, the, my, one of the guys in my band who was like my best friend growing up, they met and they started dating and they dated a long time. So I didn't do anything, but we were still friends. I still saw her and they were like on again, off again couple, you know, those ones that like oh, yeah. everybody knew, right. They were on again, off again. And then finally they were like off, like they were done. And, um, I, she called me and she said, guess what? And I swear she said, we broke up and I was like, Oh no. And I'm like, wait a second, why are you calling me this? And so 
I was like, well, do you want to, you want me to come over and talk about it? And she said, yeah. And then, yeah, that girl, that girl threw me for a loop. Like I knew what, that's the rest of my life. Like I knew at, you know, 14 at 16, right? Yeah. yeah. This is it. I have, this is what I've always wanted. And then she played with me and then, and then let me go like a, like a used freaking Kleenex. Like she could have cared less. She's like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, I know you feel that way, but I don't. All right. I'll see you later. And then she went <laughs> yeah. going, going crazy and having like 9,000 kids with some weirdo. So, oh. you know, you, you never know. Dodged you a bullet is what that, that's what we call I Dodged a bullet for so, sure. Oh yeah. I was trying to think of heartbreak in the shop and, um, you know, like I had some CNC and computer issues like last year, like during Christmas time, that was really frustrating, but those repaired like eventually. But, um, I think a big heartbreak in the shop would be whenever I was doing that, uh, conference room table, yeah, a big sunken Cypress. And I poured, I over poured on the resin, like poured mm-hmm. it too thick. And it started like completely going EXO on like the corners of this table. and just seeing that just like, well, after I made sure the shop didn't burn down, which I, I, it, it probably wouldn't have caught fire and burned down, but it was smoking. And I thought it was after that wore off, it broke my heart that it was going to be so much more work. That was a big heartbreak. Yeah. In the shop. Yeah. But I was trying to think of Box a tool seal. that broke that I really missed, but I, I can't really think of another tool that. No, that's always a time to upgrade. Yeah. yeah that's exactly. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one more, guys. What am I? Right. Um, uh, Ross, pick a number 27. between twenty-seven. Oh, what was your first pet, and what was its name? My first pet was named Q. He was a golden retriever. My brother named him, and everybody, uh, my parents told them, uh, told everybody that he was named after the uh, uh the the guy who Star would come Trek? up no no uh james bond the guy who would come up with all the different oh, the quartermaster q. that was it yeah. q turns out he was named uh q after the letter q because my brother who named him was four and that was his favorite letter so oh <laughs> uh, i was gonna ask if it was all a pool right. q nope like a pool letter q guy. my first pet was well it's my parents pet but i guess it was my pet it was a dog that walked up to the house it was a uh cocker spain yeah, Cocker Spaniel, and it was oh, named wow. Farley after the dog in uh, the Far Side car- or for better yeah. for worse cartoon. Yeah, yeah, what it for better for worse? Farley. Yeah, that's what that dog. Yeah, hmm. got ran over. What a happy ending! Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> got, wait, where's the dog? Where's the dog? We looked all morning, and then we went to all leave to go where we were going. And as oh, we were driving, no. the dad goes, "There it is," and it was very <laughs> dead. And my sister's like, Moo! crying. I'm like, "What's going on?" Dad puts the thing in a blanket, puts it in the back of the car. We went back oh, home. No. He's like in his suit because we're going to church. Takes off his suit, digs a hole, puts the dog in it. Off we went. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's on a laugh track. You can't laugh at dead dogs. What is R.I.P. Farley. R.I.P. Man. Our, our live action audience is. Uh, I don't know. They're on something else. <laughs> they're cold. <laughs> Dark sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, how about you? What was your first pet? So I've gotten a lot of flack in Spanish class for this uh, as a child because my father, a little backstory, is a neurologist. And our cat's okay. name was Tumor, as in, <laughs> uh, yes. It's not a tumor. 
that's fantastic. And so he he found this little black cat, and he thought it had a tumor because it was really really small, like fit in his palm small. And he would put it on the ground, and it would just walk into walls and do all kinds of weird stuff. So he thought it was, had something <laughs> wrong with it. And uh, you know, it turns out that's a question that gets asked in Spanish one class in high school. And uh, there was a lot of uh, questions after that. So, yeah. <laughs> Tumor. Okay. Tumor. Yeah. All right. Oh, How about man. you, Colton? My first dog was like a little uh, – we got from the pound. It was like a little uh, – oh, like a long-haired dachshund kind of mixed dog. Yep. Um, and he was black, and his name was Shadow. Yeah, okay. He followed me around like a shadow. Nice. He was a big snuggle bug. So. Nice. Yeah. I like right. dogs like that. Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jess. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so, Nick, just to off. wrap things up, we typically end each episode with a nugget. And that nugget is usually either if you were able to talk to yourself when you were starting out in your making adventure, what advice would you give to yourself with the knowledge you have now? Or uh, if you want to just give a piece of knowledge to all the little makers out there, uh, just some words of wisdom, what would you say? Or the big and, ones. But. Or the big ones, yeah. And uh, <laughs> if you need some time to think about it, feel free. We can give ours. Or if you're ready to go, feel free. I got a couple, actually. Um, they're short. Sure. Okay. But I've been spending right. a lot of time reading you know, books about the creative struggle, I would say. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the context that I'm coming at this from. But I think my primary one would be to overcome and understand your own personal friction or fear that's holding you back from the true purpose of what you want to be doing with your time, with your goals, whatever that may be. Uh, the, the friction, when I say friction, I just mean just the little things that get in your way. It could be a distraction, could be, like I said, a fear. But uh, the the solution, like anxiety or something, anxiety about trying something new, uh, worried about money, worried about, you know, how other people are going to receive it, worried about sounding weird, whatever it Uh, is, figure out what your own holdup is and and study your own kind of belief system. Try to check your ego and like break in, you know, break down what you're what you're really going through and, and focus on that. And uh when you have a really big goal, I think it, it gets overwhelming sometimes. So really just shatter that thing into a thousand pieces and, and make sure that you've always got something small that you can do and something medium and something that will eventually turn into a long-term success. I think that's something that I personally struggled with, and I've heard it spoken about in many different books. Um, the, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield is one that I just finished. It talks about resistance. I think that's Critical. It's funny. The art of war, very different book. Very different. Very different. Very different. Yeah. yeah, but in the art, in the in the war of art, or the art of war, actually, you're supposed to understand your enemy's weaknesses as well as your own. That's one of the principles. So it kind of goes that's along uh, along, you know, with the. I oh, guess that's dude, I'm gonna write that down. I I I need to check that out. Yeah. If you read the art of war, oh my gosh, you got. I have no. That's my thing. I love to read books. I really do. But I just. They relax me so much. One, I fall asleep almost every time that I read a book. And number two, I just have no time. Like I, I'm so tired every day when I get home. 
But I guess instead of watching Sins of Anarchy, I should read a book. <laughs> or listen. Dude, it's all about the audio books. Yeah, audio book. Yeah, maybe I just haven't picked a good one yet. There was one I was all excited about, and I got Audible, and I turned it on, and the guy was so vague and ridiculous. I was just like, this is terrible. I can't, <laughs> I can't listen to this anymore. Mm. But, but yeah, I'll have to pick a better one. Okay. All right. Who's got another nugget? I guess I got I got one. It's not um, near as deep as Nick's, but uh, it's I I forgot. I don't know. I so I had a repair project on a set of boards for uh, a local guy today, and I had to get real uh, creative with how to break into the back of this back panel on these LED boards without breaking the LEDs and stuff, and. Like I'd finished a whole step and then I forgot that I had, I would have done it differently whenever I finished. Right. And I would have used, I was trying to use like, you know, like, um, like my Japanese saw and chisels and all these like hand woodworking tools. And whereas the, the, I call it a multi-tool, you know, the, just like normally it's like a battery powered tool. And then on the front, it just oh, yeah, kind of yeah. shakes like that. Yep. You, do you call that a multi-tool or? Oscillating cutter. Yeah. I call it a buzzy actually. So a buzzy would have worked way quicker and better. And like, I just, I'd forgotten about using the, the original the OG tools, man. And um, it was a good reminder that, that sometimes like they're OG for a reason. And like, just cause there's a more fine way to do it or like, you know, we get into this mindset of like, uh, Oh, real woodworkers use like blades and things as opposed to, like you know not just relying on powered tools all the time and um but yeah it was a good reminder at least like, I, I couldn't believe that i forgot that i had a multi-tool that would have done this so much easier hmm. and um yeah it was a nice reminder so that's my nugget remember your right. tools <laughs> nice uh my nugget was actually uh kind of based on the two of you gentlemen mm. i was joining uh two slabs today because i was trying to get uh, these two Elm Slabs book match, or they are book match. I was trying to get them uh, set for a glue up. And no matter what I was doing, just because of how much twisting and warping there was uh, in these boards or in these slabs, I couldn't get a good glue joint. And then I remembered if I clamp these boards or the slabs down to something that I know is totally flat, and I have some cut off pieces of LVL. Uh, that I used, and I know they are totally straight, totally flat. I clamped these slabs to it to take out some of the warping, and then I did two side-by-side passes with my track saw right down that center seam, basically yeah. uh, a little bit heavy on each of the sides where wherever the slab was. So I did basically um, just under an eighth of an inch of a cut on each side of the slab, And when I did it that way, running right down that seam on the track saw, I then literally put everything together and it was a near perfect seam. I had to use a hand plane for, I think, one small section where there was a little bit more warping than anything else. But it honestly saved me probably two hours of hand planing. So to Colton's point, remember the tools that you have and work smarter and not harder. There are some times where setting up the correct tool takes longer to set it up than it does to use it, but still using the correct tool saves you hours of time. 
Yeah, and a better turnout in the end. Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. hey, that's that's in hand with your 2024 goals. Smarter, yeah. not harder. That's yeah. right. I, Ross, I've had slabs like that, and I literally like because you know nobody's ever really going to see the bottom. Yep. I literally would take a piece of wood and like get them together and make like little slots mm-hmm. and like screw cleats to the underside so that they would pull themselves together. And then the screws would slide, and then you could slide them together when you were done. So yeah. I actually am going to be putting a C channel underneath to make sure it doesn't yeah. bend or warp yeah. ever after that. But yeah, different story. Yeah, yeah, some sort of uh, wrangling it. Um, mm-hmm. So my nugget is something that I talked to you. I think it's the best nugget I can give anybody right now. So we have talked a lot about Sanders, and Nick, this might be interesting to you. I don't know. But um, I have always, always had not the cheapest Sanders, but like the nicer DeWalt Sander. That's it. Random Orbit Sanders, right? Because they're like – now they're like $89 or they're more expensive than they used to be, obviously. I had the rigid like six-inch one, but they always broke. There was always mm-hmm. one in the shop with that stupid rigid thing and then they'd send it back and it would be broken and I'd have to send – and it just would go round and round like that. Those things suck. And they leave swirl marks. So Ross has the Merca. He's Team Merca. I'm Team uh, Festool Rotex. Yeah, he's Team Festool Rotex, which the the Festool Rotex is a larger sander, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the six inches. That's a pretty big sander. It's like an angle grinder, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's especially Rotex mode, right? How much is the Rotex? How much is Uh, a Rotex? It was like 700 is it okay? And so, and the Merca, like right now on Amazon, is seven hundred and twelve dollars for yep. the Merca. Uh, I did see it for five hundred and something the other day. I got um, mine for five eighty, but it was like a Christmas deal. Right? Yeah, seven thirty one Toolworks. They have a thing. He sent me one. It was like five hundred bucks the other day for Black Friday. But anyway, cool. so I'm like, I got to do something because I have these tabletops that we're doing, and there, there's two at one hundred and eight by. 29 inches and two at 104 by 29 inches, both sides, red, uh, red Oak. A lot of sanding. It, he was standing with that DeWalt one the other day and it like, it was, he wasn't doing anything to it. No, nothing to it. I mm-hmm. mean, he was just forever on one top. So I was like, all right, now's the time to do this. So I'm like, man, I can't afford to spend Cause if we, I can't buy one, I got to buy two yep. because one of us just can't be sanding. So, I was looking and there was this company called, and I'll pull it up here. Hang on. It's called, um, on Amazon, you can get them. And it's called. Schmirka. <laughs> Fendo. Fendo. Fendo electric. Fendo. P H E N D O. And if you look at it, it looks a lot like the Merca. And. So I'm like, oh, come on, man. There's no way this is any good. And so I'm like, all right, let's read the reviews. And I wanted to see if there was like fake ones. These are like verified purchasers. Some of them were real short. So like, you know, they weren't like a paid one. Every one of them's good. Every one of them's pretty good. And this one guy's holding his Merca. He has a Merca. Next to this one, he says, my Mercas break once a year. One of my Mercas breaks every year. Something goes wrong and I have to send it off. And they look almost exactly alike. We got them in yesterday and we used them today. 
Uh, I did opt for the Merca sandpaper because Ross swears by it. He says it lasts longer, so the cost yep. difference doesn't really matter because you're using and, more. Or using yeah, less. I mean, I would we would sand that walnut and we would go through two or three pieces before the the Velcro would give out if anything. Oh no, not not with this new one. Right, not not with this new one. And so I was hesitant. I was skeptical. Right. I said, let's just buy them, and then if they're bad, I can return them. It's Amazon, right? Yeah. I cannot – the only thing that could go wrong now is they break, like, soon. But they are – it is – especially since we hooked them up to a vacuum. You I wonder think how also, you ever did it without I the just, mesh paper It's the not that I before. wonder how. It's just that it's it, – it's, uh, I was worried about sanding the edges, right? Yep. But it's so balanced and so light, and you can adjust the speed. Even sanding the edges was fine mm-hmm. with the vacuum attached to it. There's no dust because of the vacuum. The paper lasts longer because of the vacuum. And it um, leaves I did a cleaner, buy, much cleaner sanding. No, I sanded it with 120 because we run it through the drum sander. The last grit's 120. And so if you're not careful, there'll be some like lines from the drum sander where like bits of sawdust have gotten stuck or whatever. Yeah. So it's good to random orbit it with 120 real quick. It was like slick at 120. Mm-hmm. And then we did it with 180. And I'm like, we have to stain this. If I do this anymore, the stain's not going to soak into this thing. Hmm. And literally, I'm going like, I'm usually sand like this. I don't know if you guys can see my hand like this. Yeah. Use this it real is how slow. I sand with a DeWalt. This, I'm going like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're moving and back like, and forth. I'm yep. just, I move across it. And because there were some places we had a little bit of epoxy, a little bit of filler. And it's just disappearing as fast as I can do it. There's no dust in the room. And I'm like, I, I'm so happy and so mad at the same time that I did all the edges. <laughs> and the real test to me of a sander is ingrain because ingrain never wants to lay flat, right? Yep. It's always like I see it on tables that like you buy and like, man, how do they get their ingrain so nice? So um, if my nugget is try the Fendo sander. Oh, by the way, it's $179. Oh, that's a lot better. Yeah. It's $179. I bought the three-year warranty, which is 28 bucks, right? There you go. So, and then I bought the Merca sandpaper is about a dollar a sheet, give or take. It depends on what grit you buy. Anywhere from 99 cents to $1.16. But, I mean, you could get by with a lot, not change your grits. Oh, and like Ross said, one sheet of 120, I did the top and bottom of both tops and two skirts, and it's still fine. Yep. It's still fine. I, I did buy the backer pads. I don't know if I said that already to protect the actual Velcro pad. So it's yeah. like another like thing of Velcro with soft and hard on either side so that you don't ruin the Velcro that's on that one. Yeah. Plus it makes the pad a little softer, but they haven't come yet. But um, buy one and you will be like, because it's funny. It, oh, and the other thing is it turns off as soon as you let go of the trigger. Complete mm-hmm. stop, which is different than a regular sander, you know. And it's just like, I, I don't know how to explain the, the no vibration thing because you can barely feel it vibrate. It doesn't make a lot of noise. It's just fantastic. All around, I, it's a, that's the way sanding should be. And You're for welcome. 179 bucks, you can't beat it. Yeah. Yep. So I took them. I took them. I don't know if I, I haven't sent you the video, but I wrote Schmirka on one of them and <laughs> Schmirka on the other one. Nice. So. <laughs> Well, all y'all, so, all y'all yeah, had very practical tips. I have another one 
with with regards right. to uh, clamping. Oh, dude, lay it on us, brother. Hell this yeah. Is, this is a good one. And I got this from a guy. I think his name is Josh Hescott originally. He posted this thing online. And basically what it is is take a three-quarter inch pipe and mount it to the ceiling with you know elbows, just a black gas pipe mm-hmm. or whatever. And if you get right. the attachments uh, that would be like a T- where the two sides are one inch and the sort of the, the T part, the, the stem part would be a three quarter inch. You can thread that over the three quarter inch pipe so that they're kind of sliding and you could thread pipe clamps onto that. Right. So now your pipe clamps are hanging vertically. And what he yeah, does, I, I was talking about what he does is basically he's got a work. It's, it's mounted above a workbench. So when you slide your clamps over, they can lean against the workbench at an angle and you've got essentially a glue up station that is not taking your vertical or your horizontal workspace anymore. And for me, as a guy who has not enough space ever, this is a great right. thing because you can you can glue it up and you could just hang it and it'll be hanging vertically in the corner against the wall or wherever's convenient for you. And you can unthread your pipe clamps and use them. So it's almost like storage and a and a clamping solution in, in one. So. That would be my That's practical awesome. tip. Dude, That's very I love that. I, I looked at doing that whenever I was considering doing um, like actual like uh, solid wood tops for these cornhole boards because like that was going to be a lot of glue-ups. And I, I considered a solution a like that, but we ended up going back to the birch plywood. But that, dude, that's a good one. Yeah. I, uh, right I don't quite understand it, but I want to see a picture of it. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll I'll message I'll, you. I'll I got one. I got a I got a video that I made of it, and I'll show it to you. It'll uh, I'll find you. Oh, on you it. made a video of it? I mean, it was just. Wait, a, did I miss that one? It was just while I'm blasting through learning how to edit, so it's a very quick short. But I can I can find it and dig it up, uh, or I can uh, find okay. Josh's, and uh, I'll show you what that is. But it's, it's cool. a great great tip if you cool. if you need space on your workbench. That's awesome. I need space. I'm out of space in my shop, so that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else we want to add? That's it for me, buddy. Okay. Well, to Nick, first and foremost, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, we, man. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you on here. We hope you enjoyed being on here, and we'd love to have you back at a different day. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I've been listening. You guys are doing You going to WorkbenchCon? Unfortunately, this year I'm not. Uh, scheduling snafu. Oh, come on. Yeah, I want to go, All and right. the FOMO is totally real. Uh, I had a great oh, time last yeah. time, so if you guys are going, uh, enjoy it, and uh yeah, the Maker Camp you? though is probably still a go. I hope so. I, uh, you know, coming from the West Coast, it, it's really it's getting expensive to do all these events. I and, get uh, it, man. Yes, yeah. it is. But, uh, but yeah, I hope to I hope to meet you guys in person one day soon. And uh, like what you're doing, and we didn't even talk about speed, but uh, speed's a great movie, and uh, that's yes, all I have it to is. Say. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, to our listeners out there, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And thank you very much for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. If you didn't, please send all your complaints to our bus driving legal representation at Goldblatt Greyhound and Associates, where their motto is, no matter what the pop quiz might be, these hotshots have got all the answers. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast, and we will catch you all next time. See you. Wow! That was great. Thanks. <laughs>